Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Slick Enterprises, we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, who's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. <laughs> he hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires, sure. Welcome to the show this evening. Uh, Captain, so good to be here again. Seems like we, seems like we have a good rhythm coming, you know, or going on with uh, with our the way we're rattling shows off. We're back with another show, and at this time of recording, we just got done with the latest issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine, our fall issue Ooh. number seventy. It's at the printer. It will be, it will be mailed over the next few days, and hopefully by uh, the end of next week, everybody will have their copies and be reading it, talking about it, looking at it. And I'm going to lead off our little discussion tonight, our pregame, with an article <laughs> you wrote, which I thought was very, very interesting in its analysis on what is the most popular football card set from decade, from overall, and or yeah. from wherever you want to start. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you. <laughs> I can't be the only one. If you're listening to our Gridiron podcast, you've got to have the same euphoria, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a child at Christmas running down the steps and seeing all your presents. As, uh, <laughs> as an adult, we do when we open up the mailbox and see – Swick Enterprises in the upper left-hand corner of, an, of a large white envelope. It's just, it's amazing. I love it. So, uh, and I love writing for Gridiron. It's just, it's one of those, you know, but it's just one of those things. I mean, and it's just, uh, you know, you, I mean, just about anyone listening could crank out two, three pages on, on something they're passionate about, a, a football set they love. Uh, you know, just the you know, little idiosyncrasies in the hobby, it's, and it's just—it's so therapeutic. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the article I just wrote, 
the most popular football sound. And about a decade ago, somebody was talking about what the best set was, the best set. You get all these arguments from 48 Leaf, you know, the rookie power, the Chickles with the Nagurski, uh, 52 Bowman Large, 65 Tops, you know, 77 Tops, you know, because it's got the large and card all the way down. And all of these arguments, and this was a decade ago, I was like, well, how can you quantify what the, what the most popular set is, what the best set is? Well, if, if somebody likes a set, they'll collect it. So wouldn't the, a number of registries, a uh, number of people who, have, uh, who collect who have registries for a set be an indication of what the most popular set is? And so I just went on PSA and how many sets were being collected of each or how many people were collecting each set. Then a couple years later, I did it again, just out of you know, just out of curiosity. I built a spreadsheet. Three years later, I did it again, and I just did it. So I had three or four data points on most sets of what they were. And uh, spoiler alert: the 1955 Tops All-American set, consistently the number one set. Number second place was like whoever's behind Jerry Rice in receiving yards, just a distant second. Usually the 55 mm-hmm. tops AA led, led by at least 30 to 40% over number two. So pretty surprising, uh, but obviously a very, very popular set. It's interesting. I looked at my notes on the 55 All-American set uh, during the week since I knew we, were, we had it in the article where we were going to talk about it. I didn't start that set basically until I, I had four cards from the set, all commons. And I didn't finish that set oh, wow. until 1996, believe it or not. And uh, I kept looking wow. for the four horsemen. My four horsemen is basically yeah. BG. It's, you know, it's a used card. I'm not overly concerned with it. But uh, I, need a, I need a bunch of upgrades in that set. But I always thought when I started collecting it, that was a brutal set to try to put together. Because you just mm-hmm. didn't see them. You didn't find them. And it was kind of opposite. You would see the stars, but you wouldn't see the commons anywhere. So yeah. it was like an like a in, inverse collected set where, you know, you, you collected the stars first and then kept looking for the commons to try to finish the set. It's only a, and it's only a 100-card set on top of it. So but I, yep. I, I, could see, I could see in your article, it, to me, it is still, and I think it always will be a set in demand, and it will always be a set that people want to collect because it, it's just classic. It's a classic vintage set. Well, and there's a lot of quote unquote rookie cards in there. Don Hudson's <laughs> rookie, rookie card is a 55 tops All American. Uh, you know, about five years ago, John Spano and I did an article in Gridiron on the Chickle set, and I had a friend of mine fabricate what a 35 chuckle card would look like uh, if Hudson had yeah. one. And I, I, I love that fabrication. I, you know, our, all, you, know, I, you know, we have a text chain. There's a bunch of us football nerds. I have it labeled as football nerds in, in my phone uh, that uh, text back and forth. And I threw that uh, card out the other day. Uh, but no, it's, uh, you know, it's got, you know, the Fats Henry, the Mel Hine, uh, you know, there's a Red Grange card in there, a Jim Thorpe, the four horsemen, like you said, uh, you know, I mean, uh, all these are very popular sets. A, a hundred cards is easy to collect. You can pick up a common card. You can pick up a, a common PSA eight for, you know, 50 bucks. So tough to put together. You're going to bump up against, you know, about 10 hall of famers and, you know, four horsemen, like Bob said, you know, they're going to cost you a, yeah. a, a pretty penny, but yeah. it, it's not too tough, but yeah, almost 150 yeah. people put to, put together have, registries on that set in, in some way, but uh, wow. a very popular. But, That's amazing. You know. That's amazing. It always, it always <clears throat> keep its popularity. I'm sure I can't see it going yeah. any, going away anytime soon, but again, you're right yeah. <clears throat> in the second and third uh, runner ups. There's always going to be debate about it. And I think it's more debate about when you as a collector started collecting Yep. For me, all the cards from the 1960s are, are my favorites. Where somebody baby. who's coll- started collecting in 1978, 79, they're always going to like the 78, 79, 80, 81 sets for you know their most uh, second and third popular and favorite sets at the did same you, time. 
Good. Interesting. Very interesting. Did you notice? Did you notice the pattern? Uh, you know, did you notice the pattern? Most of the highest, the most popular sets were from the 60s and 70s. 48 Leaf didn't right. even break top 25, oh. I think. 35 Chickle wasn't in there. Uh, it was 72 tops. It was, you know, 68, 69 tops. Surprised me because uh, you know, my beloved 84 tops, I love the 84 and 79 tops, probably my two favorite sets, and uh, didn't even crack the top 25. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I sent that article to you to kind of review, and you added a line in there where it's like, you know, you know, you collect what you grew up with. I mean, and you're spot on. I mean, your first yeah. pack, 65 Phillies, 65 tops. So, I mean, that's going to be what you migrate to. So, 55 tops All-American. If you're a, you know, 10-year-old kid collecting that, you're 80 years old right now. Uh, so, right. I mean, I, I think that's more, I think it's more, uh, it shows the popularity of 55 AA, uh, you know, just that it's a pretty wide-sweeping set, that it's 100 cards, rather than you've got a bunch of 75- and 80-year-old people out there collecting it. So just shows how popular right. it is. Right. 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 You know. right. Exactly. But the, um, we gotta, now, you also, you also parallel something, um, what we were talking about, too, about unopened material and yeah. um, uh, uh, pieces yeah. of memorabilia that have lineage to it. So let's talk, talk a little yeah. bit about that, too. Well, last week we we talked about uh, you know Huggins has uh, you know an auction ending tomorrow, and it is a sealed uh, twenty wax pack eighteen eighty one tops football. Uh, just never seen one before. How many more sealed cases are there out there? I mean, this is a unicorn uh, and a very popular set, uh, and it's it's interesting. And every once in a while you see BBC. You know, uh, a BBC. You know, excuse me. Uh, you know, put uh, FASC from a sealed case. Uh, we had Steve Hart on as a guest, what about six months ago, and he brought this up too. If you send them a case and they open it, they will designate your wax packs when they grade them as FASC from a sealed case. And uh, it got me wondering. I mean, what what premium do people put on wax packs from a sealed case versus just normal wax packs? I mean, because there's got to be a premium. You know it's not tampered with if if the case is good and you open it up. I mean, and you know, I guess versus a normal eighty-one tops wax box, where it's possible if you really know what you're doing, you can slip one by the goalie of Steve Hart, and possibly you know collate wax packs, etc., and put them in there. So I mean, you know, how much of a premium right. goes right. for from a sealed case? It's it's kind of interesting, and you know, you don't collect wax. And you definitely don't collect, you know, great, you know, sealed graded wax. So it's more of a just one of those things I was curious about because in this Huggins auction is also a 81 tops wax pack. So I mean, you'd think that if you took the 81 tops wax pack box and multiplied it by 20, that would be what the case would go for. Maybe a slight right. premium, right. a couple points, you know, for it to be a case. But you know. Also, not many people can afford to take down 20 cases at a time, so maybe a, you know, a slight dip. I mean, who knows? But it'll be curious to see exactly. a case and a and a wax box, you know, both authenticated, go in the same auction and see what the ratio is, what the premium people put on sealed cases. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, what was it? A, yeah, three months ra- ago, yeah. an 86 Lear basketball case went, and it went for 1.3 million or something like that. Yeah, that's that's it's just it's just mind boggling to to see what at one time was considered junk wax for a couple seasons yeah. after because everybody <laughs> wanted to get rid of them, and you had your the infamous black line through the box, so you know it was a yeah. um, a uh, return, and I still remember those black line wax boxes that shows for five dollars, and dealers could couldn't oh, even give them away. I mean, it was just—it was just amazing, and I—and I, I still remember to this day. I had a 1986 wax box, and I think I ended up selling it for like 140 dollars, some ridiculous figure at the time. And I, I said to myself, I paid basically uh, whatever it was, 13 and change for the box wholesale, and I just made 140 dollars on it. You know what I mean? And it was just—it was just mind-boggling. But again. If I had known that same box know, is you know, nearly three thousand yeah, dollars, Bob. I, I, I would have just uh, bought every 
conceivable wax box and wax box that was, that was out there. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, to get back to what well, you were saying, you know, the premium that's paid on these items is, is becoming astounding in a way to see where yeah. these prices are going. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing to me to see. So, and again, well, and it, less and less are out there and, and yeah. it, it's commanding the premium. Go ahead. Less and, less and less. You nailed it. I mean, and you were, and I were talking before the show. It's also on eBay is, uh, I collect, you know, ticket stubs of Red Grange and one of the premiums, you know, one of the really, you know, sought after ticket stubs and program is from his last college game. Uh, and I have several of these ticket stubs. I have one uh, unused ticket stub from the game, and I love it. Well, probably about two years ago, I noticed another unused ticket stub from the from the from the game, the last game, the last college game. And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And I've been watching it. Well, about a year ago, I noticed that this eBay unused ticket stub is the seat right next to my unused ticket stub. So suddenly, wow. you have a pair side-by-side seats that weren't weren't used, and it's pretty damn cool. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you and I were talking wow. prior to the show, what premium do collectors put on unused tickets? And to me, it's a pretty good premium. And then what premium would you put on ticket stubs that are the seat next to it? Uh, I've got about four or five of those, you know, uh, ticket stubs, seat right next to it. That's pretty cool. And I'm just this this last Your game could be, ticket stuff has been on eBay for like two thousand dollars for two years, and I've just I, I've refused to pay that much just so I can have a side by side seat. So yeah, yeah. But that's pretty neat, though. How many can you actually collect? Can you collect the whole row? Can you, can you collect you know <laughs> you know uh, what, you know two two rows behind you type of thing? That's that's, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought that was that was fascinating. Which also you know leads me to say. I don't under. I never could understand in our hobby why there wasn't greater demand for a ticket stub with the game program. You know, you got yeah. the ticket stub from the game. Now you got the game program, or vice versa. I, it just lately, probably over the last twenty years, that really started picking up as far as collectability, and started picking up as far as demand was concerned. So um, again, I, I could never understand that. I went to a game. I made sure I kept the ticket stub. And I kept the program. You know, I, I, to me, they, they go hand in hand, to, to, you know, yeah. to say the least. But you're right. The premium that is paid for that kind of uh, preciseness and location, so on and so forth, uh, is becoming greater and greater as time goes on. And, again, something we talked about, we talked about it once, we talked about it 100 times over the years. How many of these stubs actually and tickets actually survived? How many programs survived? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and now looking at the 50s and 60s also. There's, there's not a lot of them out there, contrary to what everybody thinks there is. And um, I, I just see it. Less and less every year. House fires, floods, uh, yep. rodents, pass, I mean, you name it, just getting deteriorated by time. I mean, you know. Every year, there's less and less. Uh, you know, somebody passes away in a you know collection of what, what's this old program? What's this old newspaper? Uh, that's disgusting. Nobody would want that, and it gets tossed. I mean, you know, if if twelve thousand yep. people attended a very rare football game and only you know two thousand of them saved their ticket and program, and you know that was ninety years ago, just natural attrition. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about. We'll never ever know. Right. All right. Well, I see our guest is here, and we're going to move along in our show. And, and just to wrap up what we said, I still believe very, very strongly, and uh, you're, you're very correct, Joe, as far as collecting sets and what is popular, what, is, what isn't popular. I always feel, and uh, I continue to say, your childhood sets usually are your most favorite as you go on in life and uh there's not much that can, can change that. All right, at this time, I'd like to introduce our special guest. He's a longtime collector and expert on all things pertaining to post-serial football and baseball cards. He's also authored the book entitled Goal Posts, the 1962 Post-Serial Card Football Promotion. 
I'd like to welcome to the show tonight a true hobby icon, Mr. Ken Marks. Ken, welcome to the show this evening. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, very much appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys. <laughs> well, we thank you for Ken, coming on. Ken, that's the first time I've heard... Ken, that's the first time I've heard Bob refer to somebody as a true hobby icon. Yeah. Well, he's got the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, if you're not a hobby icon, I don't know what a hobby icon is. That's all I have to say. And I'm going to lead off by you. asking you, how did you become interested in football and collecting? Okay. Well, um, like a lot of us, Bob, I started as a kid. Uh, collected both football and baseball. Um beginning around maybe 1959, 1960, and primarily tops. Uh, only then is really that's the only cards that our local grocery store sold. And, uh-huh. and while I like them both, um, I really like football better because, um, you know, back then there was, uh, there was just less players in a set, and you had a reasonable chance to complete a set. Uh, uh, the baseball cards had like seven series and most of those series never ever made it to our store so there, there was a, you didn't have a prayer of completing a set so uh, f- football just was better in, in my uh, estimation then when I got older I lost collect uh, interest in collecting uh, but back in the 70s I, I started buying complete sets because I saw them in uh, sporting news where you could buy complete sets and, and, and I don't know why I did it but I just did it and and then, the, then I think the breakthrough was <laughs> a couple years later, I was over at our local college. I live in Sacramento, so this is Sacramento State. And just walking by the basketball gym, and they were having a card show. And I didn't even know oh. card shows existed. <laughs> and, and I walked through, and, and I thought it was just great. And, and then sometime shortly after, I was in a, a magazine store and just kind of browsing and ran across uh, one of the early editions of uh, Baseball Card Magazine. Had a picture of Pete Rose on the cover. And uh, right then I said to myself, hey, I have that card. And that night after work, I went over to my parents' house, retrieved all my baseball cards. They weren't really in too good a shape, but uh, <laughs> I grabbed them, and it didn't really matter. I was hooked. Nice. Wow. wow. 59 and 60. Talk about two iconic sets. I mean, 59, all the colors just beautiful and 60 just in its simplicity starting right off with johnny U right on the you know no oh, wait a minute is alan ameshi card number one in that who is that if, if you're asking me i've kind of uh, gone away from the oh. top stuff so I, <laughs> i'm i'm much more a post guy over the years so i couldn't uh, really remember that 60 60 tops number one is united so this is the most iconic is it united Card, okay. Yeah, of him, uh, his face being out of complete. His he made a face while he was getting his picture taken. So it looks almost <laughs> like he had a few drinks or whatever. So I mean, it's just, it does. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, and I, it, yeah, I put that I, set together it, years ago. And again, the 1960 set was only 132 cards, so it's very, very yeah. easy to put together. I put together probably 10 sets over the years of the 60 tops football. I mean, I always loved that. Yeah. It was so cool. And um, it, just yep. a great set. Johnny, you had tilted, but man, uh, uh, 62 post zero. We've, uh, this set is so complicated. Uh, and we've had a few guests on who just talk about the intricacies of it. And uh, just, you know, the, the different, you know, variations of it. I mean, you know, you mentioned 59 and 60, but, you know, how'd you turn that into getting into the 62 post serial set? Oh, okay. Um, well, well, at the time I retrieved those cards from my parents' house, there there were some post serials mixed into those. Because, uh, um, oh, you know, right. I'm at the age where I certainly remember cutting them off the boxes back in the early 60s. And, and, um, and I've always gra- uh, kind of gravitated towards the 60 stuff because that's what I collected as a kid. So once I started building my collection, it was kind of a combination of post-serial and, and tops uh, for both baseball and football. But then over the years, I, I just gravitated uh, away from the mainstream football sets and starting, um, I put 
the, well, the great majority of my efforts into post uh, football um, and the, and the post baseball too. I, I just find the post era, like you're saying, um, just much more interesting and challenging. Um, and the more challenge you want, uh, you can find it in post serial because, you know, like you say, back in the early sixties, uh, the sets varied a bit, but, uh, you know, they basically were smaller, 132 cards, and eventually a, a few more with the tops. But uh, post serial is just way different. Uh, they, they had 200 cards, and if you wanted to collect the basic 200, you could do that. But you can also do really a whole lot more with with uh, post serial football. Uh, sure. You can go for, and I heard uh, the last. Uh, guest you had uh, the, on the last podcast talk about a master set in post serial. I think that was Fred. Yeah. And, uh, right. and and a lot of the serious collectors go for that. Uh, that's one card. Uh, it's a, a card of each serial box off of each serial box that they produced. And uh, so while there's 200 cards in a set, there's uh, most of the players were on several, at least several different boxes. Uh, for example, I think Jim Brown's on three different serial boxes and Johnny Unitas on five different serial boxes. And each of them are a little different. And, and you can spot them. Uh, you can see the differences. Some are, some are easy to see. Some are much tougher. So, uh, you know, instead of 200 cards, if you go for a master set, that's like oh, well over 500 cards. And, wow. uh, and well, Johnny Unitas and Jim Brown and all the rest might be easy to find for the most part if you're going for a 200-card set. Uh, some of those variations are just brutal and, and very, very tough to find. It's a, it's a big challenge going for a master set. And that's, you can do that with post-serial. You really don't have that opportunity with a lot of, a lot of other sets. And, and I think that's the reason that uh, – that I like the postcard so much. Why well, can I can right. I establish one thing? I want to establish one thing. What is the actual count again for the master set? Is it 512 cards, or is it still an unknown amount? Uh, we're talking the for the, the post serial football. Yeah. Um, okay. It's kind of one of two numbers, and uh, and I know you guys are both on the. Uh, the uh, 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 VFC website where that discussion has taken place. Mm-hmm. What happened is there, there's a question of whether one of the cereal uh, sizes and flavors was issued, and then that's these large Oak Flakes cards. So, uh, what if while panels exist, they may not have actually made it to the grocery store. So if, if you so it's a 528 if you don't count those. And 99 panels uh, having uh, 528 uh, cards. If, if those panel, if you're counting those and they do exist, and you know, that's a discussion still, then it's all the way up to 556 and another four panels. So, okay. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> right, so, right, so, I want to, I'm putting it in my notes right now to, because I, um, I was always curious about it, and, and for whatever reason, and knowing it's over 500 cards, um, again, being a little off script here, how many complete master sets do you think actually exist, if any? Well, yeah, if you if we're going from, and I'm not counting the Oak Lakes, because right now, uh, right, right. I think as Robin has pointed out, there's really only two of those panels that are, that are known. So right. I would think most people don't count those but um okay yeah i i so would we're think looking, we're probably hmm? we're, look, I'm sorry. we're looking more at the 500 528 card set rather than the larger set that's what i'm going to assume yeah. right yeah okay. A- okay. A- absolutely absolutely and uh okay. there can't be more than uh, uh just just a couple at this point because um uh several several of the the ones are uh uh, several of the cards be, are, are tough to tell apart from the others, particularly the ones that, that came on uh, uh, a serial called Top Three. Uh, but uh, uh, 
so there there's a lot that are near probably have near master sets but only a couple probably that have complete master sets at at this point hmm. okay fascinating what a what a nuanced set i i love it so so from what i'm picking up there are okay so it's the master set is considered to be uncut uncut boxes backs of boxes or is or are they variations of of other cards like you know whether one was one was you know one type of cereal and another one is another type of cereal exactly it, it, it's the second it's they're individual cards okay and it's one card of each box so because Johnny Unitas was on five different boxes you would need five each each of the cereal boxes that Johnny Unitas appeared on so five cards wow fascinating that it's just it's incredible talk about a rabbit hole i, I love it <laughs> oh yeah I mean, yeah absolutely I, and how many people just give that up? Because, like, I collect the 48 Leaf set. I mean, and I kind of stopped worrying about the variations, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, white, white between knees, uh, you know, Johnny, you know, uh, you know, you know, Johnny misspelled, you know, it just there's all these little variations and I just kind of gave up because a lot of those are just printer's defects. Yeah, I, in baseball and football, there's very few people I think that go after the master set. Um, nice. We're probably talking less than twenty. Do, do you have a Do you have the master set completed? I would imagine. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's, yeah. That's a that's a it's amazing. That's a, a pretty small I, fraternity. I would. Imagine. I had a head start on a lot of people. <laughs> you and Captain both. Uh, so I mean, if you if you've got the master set completed, uh, like, what would you? I mean, I imagine you collect other stuff outside of sixty top, sixty two tops. You know, zero. What what would you consider like the top? You know, six items in your collection. What, what are your favorites? Oh, um, well, okay. I, I guess the n- number one would be um, uh, I've got a complete unfolded box. And it's a great nuts flake. It's a small size box, and it's the most rare cereal. Um, the 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 most yeah the rare because it didn't sell much. So there's very, there's not that many out there. But it's got Dave Baker and Nobody. Sam Baker on it, and they're the two toughest cards there are in the set. So. Nobody likes grape nuts. <laughs> I was talking to somebody <laughs> the other day, and they said they did, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so, so that's what a else you got? Okay, the Baker a, Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a large store uh, advertising sign that, uh, that oh. hung over the uh, the cereal uh, in the aisles uh, that post produced and, and passed out to the stores. It's um, uh, it's got Johnny Unitas on it, Billy Kilmer on it, and Paul Horning on it, and um, I think there's only one other. Uh, gentleman that I, I know you both know, Kirk Robinson has that other one. Somehow he wrestled away from Mike Blaisdell a, a few years ago, so that's a nice piece. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you just did a lot of name dropping there, Ken. That was, that was pretty good. From, okay. from Kirk to Kirk to Mike, that, uh, that's hobby royalty right there. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. Uh, you've got a post Ken's. Uh, um, variety pack and and what that is is what Post put out was these little boxes of cereal they still do today along with Kellogg's with kind of individual sizes and they came ten to a package yeah. and uh, wrapped in cellophane and um, cards were on the bottom of three cards on the bottom and one card on the alphabet's box a little tiny box inside and I, I have a complete one of those still in the cellophane so uh, wow. That's nice. Again, Kirk has one. Wrestled away from Mike a few years ago. Must have been a great trade they had. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Post serial football Oat Flakes box. The other uh, box that Dave Baker was on. So, and that one's a complete box. No cereal, but a complete box, uh, in, in pretty good shape, and probably a one of one type deal. 
Uh, well, you know, like like we talked about, I've got a ton of, of panels in all the different sports, um, so I don't have certainly don't have them all, but I have a goodly number of them, and uh, and I, I I really like those because that's something I've worked on for a long time. Um, I, I guess last week I also collect Kellogg's uh, uh, the Kellogg's football cards. They were only in uh, for two years. Yeah. Uh, yep. 19, oh, well, no, actually, I'm, I misspoke. 1970-1971 is the ones oh. that I am talking about oh. because those are the ones I collected, and uh, and they're they're kind of 3D cards, and they've got a special coating on the front, and they look way different than others. Um, and posted a lot of years of baseball, and I don't know why they they stopped it too for football, but I've got uh, I've got those sets. PSA registered, and they're the top sets on the registry. So uh, I'm proud of those also. What is the rarest card in the 62? I've heard of the Baker, but what's what what's what's the toughest one? Oh, without a question, I think it's, uh, it's Dave Baker. Um, uh, he was number one, probably Sam Baker number two, and uh, – Probably got Angela Coya, maybe number three, but Dave's the hardest. And the reason is, it all depends on what cereal uh, a player is put on and what size. In terms of the cereal, in terms, you know, flavor, people don't buy it, people like it. If it's an adult cereal, well, those cards are going to be rare as opposed to the, you know, the ones with all the sugar in it. If it's a small size, well, they're going to be rare because moms tended to buy the large size, the more convenient size, and dads, uh, so not convenient, the more uh, cost-effective sizes. Small boxes didn't sell as well, so there's less of those cards. So, it, that, and that's one of the things with post cereal. You know, they didn't put out X amount of every other card. These cards, the availability is is all over the map, and it just depends on what cereal. Uh, you appeared on and the size of that cereal. But Dave Baker. So Baker's, the yes. Dave Baker only appeared on the small, uh, you know, grape grape nut box is what you're saying. He appeared, yes, on, on that one, which is by far the rarest, the rarest and, and least selling. And he also appeared on one other, which was an oat flake box, a small oat flake box, um, which also wasn't a, a big seller. And right. Sam Baker, you know, Sam Baker, he his second one was on the 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 uh, variety pack that we just talked about, the post tens, hmm. which have a limited number of cards too. So, uh, so most players he's rare because. Yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead, Ken. No, I'm saying mo- most people may most players made two appearances, but if you got put on two hmm. rare panels, you you became a, you become a very tough card as those guys did. So the Baker brothers are rare because. They only appeared on the small single-serving boxes, and both single-serving right. boxes they right. appeared on were adult, you know, non-sugary cereals. So that that that's the one-two punch. Well, yeah, I would say they were they were both on the great nuts, a small box yeah. of great nuts, not a super small individual yeah. size. And then the other baker was on the 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 variety pack on the bottom of the tray, and I mean a day baker, and Sam Baker was on. Oh, no, that was Sam Baker on the tray and Dave Baker on a smaller box, not an individual box, but a smaller box of Oak Flakes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. just non-sellers. <laughs> okay. That, that tells story. Dr. The, the Bakers I just remind me of Zeke Bratkowski in the 57 top set. I mean, you know, nobody's heard of the player, the football players, the Baker brothers, because they're, you know, they're no one of consequence. It's, you know, unless you're a Pittsburgh fan – you know, Zeke Bradkowski, nobody's heard of. But if you collect the 57 tops football, you realize he's the rarest card, you know. So it's just, it's one of those nuances <laughs> of a set that I just, I just love. I agree. <laughs> That's interesting. When I, was, when I finished my 62 post set years ago, the two cards I needed were both Bakers. So, um, oh. you know, it's mm. very, they're very true. It's very uh, rare. Now, tying into this, you wrote a book. Ken, and can you talk a little bit about it? It's called Goalposts, the 1962 post-serial uh, uh, card football promotion. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, um, that book it had its origins back in um, in, in the middle of the late nineties. Um, and I and I collected, like I said, all the different types of post uh, uh, serial card products, be it the Canadian or the the American and the baseball and and whatnot. And there's a gentleman named Dan Mabe, and he he was back east. He recently moved back home to to California, but back then he put out uh, these books, uh, individual books on each of the American uh, baseball post serial promotions, and it 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 talked about. Uh, um, all the intricacies and uh, what cards were on what uh, serials and why some cards are tougher than others, what's in a master set, all sorts of different things. And and that wasn't information that was known in the hobby back then. He, uh, you know, A lot of us learned a whole ton about it be, because of his efforts. But he was just a baseball guy, and we became friends, and he knew I had a big interest in football, so he, he – he pushed me. He wanted me to to write kind of a companion book for football, and uh, and I did. I, I wrote it, but back back then uh, my computer skills were limited, so I had all the information. I had it organized, but it was on Excel spreadsheets and it was Microsoft Word uh, sheets, and it wasn't really in a book format. And, and then over the years, um, he would push. Uh, another gentleman in Los Angeles, Dave Worley, would would push me, and then and finally in it was about 2017. Dave says, "Hey, let's put that book out. I'll help you." And uh, and he had all the knowledge, and he could he could put the information together into a, into a book. And about a year later, we had it published. And uh, um, I'm pretty proud of it. It's about half narrative and half pictures of all the different uh, mm. uh, stuff stuff that goes goes with it. And uh, it it would have never come out without Dave's help. I, <laughs> he he was great. He did something I couldn't do. How cool is that? Oh, wow. If, if I might, can I? I'd like to add one more thing. Uh, and again, this goes back to Kirk Robinson. But you know, back back when I was putting this together, I became aware of of Kirk. And we live, only lived thirty minutes apart, which which is amazing. But. Um, um, as I went and visited him, and at the time that uh, this was, he was getting out of the post-football collectibles, and he, he had other collectible interests, toys, as, as I remember. But he had he had done the same research work that I did, only he had done it in the 80s. And, uh, and we didn't have the Internet in the 80s. He did it by mail. <laughs> and and, and then he, it was great. These meetings with Kirk were great. And I walked away with a couple things. He was I got a lot of his stuff because he was going a different direction. And so that helped my collection as it did other collectors. But what it also did for the book was uh, we talked a lot about, our, you know, our thinking, our thinking on the serials and, and how it was all set up and everything. And independently, we'd done two separate studies and they, and they were, they were identical. They came to the same conclusions and, that just gave me a ton of confidence that that I was on the right track, and uh, and I'm very appreciative to Kirk for those meetings back 20, 25 years ago. <laughs> so I'm wow. a fan of his, obviously. That's amazing. Kirk was probably focusing on his '68 Tops collection. Yeah, yeah, he had all. He's got all sorts of stuff. It's it's uh, oh, yeah. it's quite a quite a collector. Yeah. Man, I'm just out of curiosity. How how many copies of that book have you sold? I, I'm just curious how popular a book like that is. Um, I sold more than I thought. I was really just doing it, you know, as kind of my contribution to the hobby. I still sell two or three a month, and uh, um, I probably have hit triple digits. So I'm really rich off okay. it. <laughs> no, which, which is more than I thought I'd ever sell, so I'm happy with it. But it, it, yeah, that okay. part—if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Good for you. Good for you. Nice. Um, I apologize. I kind of—I I think I got a little excited and asked a question out of order. But so I mean, you've—you've—you've uh, <laughs> you, you've, uh, obviously you—you know—you you hit the top of the mountain with your post serials. So, I mean. What other things do you collect? Uh, you know, you know what else? Yeah, what else do you focus on? 
Uh, well, I, I pretty much got rid of all my uh, uh, top stuff uh, five or six years ago. So I'm, you know, I, I've, uh, the Kellogg sets that I, I talked about, I, I go for a lot of 49ers stuff, uh, Salada coins and stuff like that from 62. Oh, nice. um, the uh, football bucks, but it's, it's oddball, uh, you know, just like post year, I'm not. I got 180 of the 200 ones, uh, 200 players uh, signed cards. So it's oh. it's things like that. Very cool. So a lot of coins seem to be pretty popular amongst our guests, Bob. <laughs> They're pretty neat. Can collecting all these years? Do you have any interesting stories you like to share with our audience on, on uh, collecting? Okay, um, I've got one maybe. Um, that post ten variety package I was talking about, ten little cereals in a in, in a little tray in cellophane. Um, I bought that back on eBay, maybe two thousand and one, something like that. And, oh wow! Uh, and to give the story a little bit of context, uh, the post cereal football promotion was going on right in the middle of the Cuban middle, mi- missile crisis back in nineteen sixty two. Uh, which is something I certainly remember. Uh, but anyway, I won this item, and afterwards I asked the seller, um, you know, uh, where did you find something like this? Because it's it in just tip-top shape. And what he told me that it had recently been found in a, like a forgotten bomb shelter built, you know, before wow. before that time. <laughs> and uh, the shelter, it, it had been forgotten for years and years and years, and then somebody discovered it. They cracked it open and went inside, and one of the things they found was a, a post tense pack. This post tense package with the uh, with the oh, football wow. cards on it. Totally amazing, and so, it makes a lot of sense too. I mean, that's something I might put in a bombshell in the back in 1962. So it was somebody's just in case the world ends. This is uh, we want to take this cereal with us. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember bombshells, uh, not too many, but. Several around us had them back then. Yeah, and you mostly kept canned food in there, non-perishable uh, food, uh, water kept in a can, believe it or not. Yeah. And some uh, some very, very old-type bottles. I, I remember that. I, I distinctly remember that over the years. That's a, that, And I'm wondering, too, I wonder how many forgotten bomb shelters are there out there. There's probably quite a few. That are yeah. people don't even know about, and uh, what what could be lurking in them at, at that in them is uh, pretty amazing. Wow, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, Ken, what Ken, what keeps you up at night? What what do you scour eBay and auctions for? What, what, what's your white whale right now? Well, I guess if I had one white whale, it would be um, related to the post. And uh, again, talking about the. The, the post ten trades that was ten cereals. Post put out a uh, the same the same thing only uh, six card. It was called treat pack. There were not six cards, six little small boxes, uh, a variety pack also. And it, it tended to be the non sugary and the adult flavors. And for for a long time, well, you know, it wasn't. We, folks weren't even sure if that was part of the promotion uh, because. Um, you just never ever saw any of them. They, it, it was sketched in one of the advertisements, but that's it. You, no one knew if it was part of the um, promotion. And then this year, back in maybe March, one of those came up on eBay. And uh, oh, no. it looked like a great, great, maybe a bomb shelter find, I don't know, but in great shape. <laughs> and, <laughs> it, um, and, and the guy had, he didn't know what he had. It. And he put it up, buy it now, 50 bucks, and somebody bought it right away. Oh. And uh, um, not a post serial collector, not a, a serial collector, not a, a sports card collector. And then a few months later, a uh, couple, maybe, I don't know, July, whenever Robert Edwards auctions came out, that item had made its way to it and it went up for bidding. And, uh, and wow. I certainly don't have one. And I was a strong bidder, but there were two that were stronger. And that, that, and that thing went for. If you count the juice and the uh, the tax with with the bid amount, over eleven thousand dollars. So, that's oh my! Wow. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. And and well, I don't and I don't think he matter. Uh, it matters. Robin Pauls, who I, I believe has been on your show before, and I think you guys know, he was the winning bidder. He's got a great item. I live in perpetual fear of something going up as a bin on eBay and, you know, something I've been looking for for a decade and missing it, uh, you know, the, you know, perpetual fear that, you know, I get a text from Bob saying, Hey, did you see that 35 chickle uncut sheet that uh, was on eBay and then, you know, been for $3,000. Did you get it? And I'm like, no. Oh my gosh. 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. <laughs> And that, that package was very, very happy. 39 cents back in 62. Amazing. <laughs> Somebody well, was know, very happy with, the, with that pickup. So, 50 bucks. If, if you really think about it, they, they did have a lot of promotional stuff in the stores. So, it would be logical to assume some of that had to actually survive over the years, which you guys have documented very, very well, you know, of, as far as supermarket promotions so on and so forth, they're probably uh, end cap displays, whatever it may be. So that mm-hmm. cardboard, that paper still can be, you know, still be found, I'm sure. And again, it's, it's a question of how many got tossed right after the promotion and how many actually got saved. And I still say that today. Yeah. If I see something, especially in a uh, package store for like, a, let's say, a football display, whoever, you know, the cardboard cut out of uh, Brady or somebody, promoting uh, a wine or beer or whatever, how many of those actually survive, you know, type of thing. And now it's much more difficult to obtain because a lot of people working in the store keep them rather than uh, letting customers get them, so on and so forth. So those are those are pretty pretty amazing uh, pieces to have preserved over the years. You know, what, to say the least. you know what's funny, Bob? I might, be, I might be wrong on this, but, I mean, I don't know. Just because things are, you know, so produced nowadays, I don't know if, you know, like I said, it could be wrong. I mean, will there be the same nostalgia for, you know, Tom Brady peddling, you know, you know, you know, Budweiser, you know, in 30 years as there is now for, you know, for, you know, Johnny Unitas, you know, banner. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I wonder, I mean, you know, are we throwing away well, stuff my, right my, now that we're like, oh, this is, this is junk. My gut feeling is I think there's always going to be a demand for it wherever that demand takes it. And I really believe anything paper over the past five years is going to be very, very rare as far as a collectible is concerned. And this year, more than anything, as far as football programs and ticket stubs, they're they're virtually non-existent because there's no fans going to the games. And I don't even know how many teams are actually printing the, the programs anymore. So it's it's super rare. I know in packet schedules, the the whole hobby got got walloped this year because so many teams, you know, didn't play, changed schedules, they didn't produce anything, so on and so forth. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but I I always think it'll be there. I really do. I don't think you know a collector is a collector, and our, our collecting generation that I won't see thirty, forty years from now, it, it could be very different. But at the same time, I still see there's going to be a demand for that stuff. But that's just my opinion. I don't know. I could be completely wrong because I, I hear all the time, you know, uh, young people today don't collect anything. But, you know, I still see a lot of young teenagers and guys in their 20s at shows buying cards. You know what I mean? So I don't necessarily buy into that. You know? No. It's I, weird. Think back. I, I mean, even you – know, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, it, it, as much as there's the naysayers out there, I, I really don't see it. I still see a lot of people collect them. And I, and I think, you know, collecting is healthy. It's a, it's a great outlet. It's, it's fun. It's, it's historical. Uh, you learn a lot. And uh, you have a sense of an accomplishment when you collect a set or a rut of something, so on and so forth, you know. I mean, you know, look at, Ken, look at yourself. The sense of accomplishment you, you must feel from your collection is, is, is enormous. And that's an amazing collection, to say the least. So, uh, you know, every, I think everything's got to be put in perspective. But, uh, you know, it's a good point, Joe. You know, what is being saved today? I really don't know. And I'm still a pack rat, so I still save everything. So, uh, yeah. but, I mean, you know. look at this. This is cereal. This is, uh, you know, who would have thought in 62, you know, you know, same thing with the Wheaties boxes. I mean, these were right. crucial. I mean, you know, even going back to 78, 79, just uh, – you know, uh, you know, there's 
you know, potato chips, Nally's potato chips had Seahawk promotions. I mean, so much of this stuff was, I mean, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is I wrote about this in a gridiron article about a Red Grange banner. It's like nine feet long and three feet tall promoting his, you know, his, uh, you know, call-in show for, you know, the college picks. I mean, it right. made a claw. Right. Obviously, it went in a mechanics bay, and this thing's so rare. Uh, you know, what what was just trash a long time ago? I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm a little bit skeptical, maybe too skeptical about it. But, I mean, even unopened wax nowadays, it's just, you know, there's 30 different wax boxes, you know, every year. Right. So, I mean. <laughs> but I know, can guarantee think you, about how many. Them. Yeah, yeah, you're Somebody's probably right. Them. Okay. You know? Yeah. Ken, we're, they better Ken, have a we're lot almost of room. out of time. We're almost out of time. Can uh, you give us any advice for beginning collectors and any final thoughts? Um, I think it's simply it's what you uh, collect, what you like. Um, you know, I, I know some people. Uh, money comes into play in terms of uh, looking for appreciation, but I just don't think that works. Just go after what you like, and you know, you'll be happy. I agree, a hundred percent. Ken, for people who are looking for your book, where can they find it? Um, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's called Goalposts, uh, the 1962 football promotion. Um, I tried to keep the price down, so uh, it's uh, thirty bucks. And if you got the Amazon Prime free delivery, so and that's that's the only place you can get it. Okay, and hopefully you you're going to see. It. You're going to see a jump in sales after this show, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll let you know. From our audience. The gridiron great for, Thanks for being on tonight. We appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be talking in the future. Oh, you're very welcome. You guys have a great show. I, I really like it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank 1962 Post. Expert Ken Marks. Joe, we're down to about two minutes. I'm going to hand off to you. And our two-minute warning and wrap-up, what would you pick up on tonight's show? What a small hobby we have. I love it. I mean, just even the people that, you know, Ken was reaching out to, you know, Kirk and Mike, you know, about this collection. It's just, uh, just you know, icons of our hobby. It just makes me smile. Just so many good, classy people who are so willing to share their knowledge of our beloved hobby. And, you know, that's, that's what it's all about to me. I just, I, I'm just so happy to see it. I agree with you 100% on that, too, because it's if we don't share our knowledge, we can't grow the hobby, and we can't, can't get more people interested in it. And um, I always said to myself over the years, the two sets from the early 60s, that 62 post set and the 62 Salata T-Coin sets, I'm not getting rid of for a long, long time. I just love those <laughs> two sets. They're just, they were tough to collect. And, uh, you know, I got them, I got them in binders. I, I love looking at them. And probably I pulled out that 62 post set over the week since I knew uh, we had Fred and Ken on in a two-week period and uh, brought back a lot of fun memories, remembering when I picked up some cards, so on and so forth. And uh, it's just a good set. But I just don't have it in me to do the 528 MasterCard set. I can't. I just <laughs> can't. Yeah. I can't do just that. Just classy, right so, classy, classy, good collectors coming on the show, and I just, I, I just, I enjoy it. So, it's cool. All right, we're down to uh, less than a minute again. If you don't subscribe to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? What Check out our website for? for subscription and back issue information. And I got to say this: our back issues are going very rapidly. So, if you want a complete run <clears throat> from issue twenty-three when we started. Until our current issue, please act fast because we are we're down to like two and three copies of a lot of of the early issues, and once they're gone, they're gone. You're going to have to have a rough time trying to complete that complete that run. All right, we're down to thirty seconds. Joe, any final thoughts? Quick. Not much. I, I laid it out. That was a great show. Enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, very interesting guess. to learn. <clears throat> everything there is to know about a 62 post set. And I highly recommend his book uh, on the 62 post set. If you're going to uh, start out and try to collect that. All right. That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. And again, check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com.
Take care. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.